Hello, this is the Doctor's Zen Podcast, here to talk about health topics by healthcare students and the relevance to young professionals just like us. Today we're going to talk about navigating higher education with a mental illness, and then discuss some resources for those with a mental illness. My name is Ben Martin, and I'm here today with my co-host, Nathan Seberg. We're both second-year physical therapy students at the University of Iowa. Here to talk about this is Stephanie Say. She's a third-year medical student at the University of Iowa College of Medicine. Welcome, Stephanie. Hello. So you wrote a really great article for October about um, mental health, and especially in school. Can you just give us a brief overview of that article? Yeah. um, Really, in the article, I just wanted to share a few tips that I've used along my journey with higher education, um, just for prioritizing my own mental health. Um, having a history of mental illness and just kind of wanted to empower others to think about how they can prioritize their own well-being while being amidst a pretty stressful environment at times. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a very stressful environment for a lot of people, no doubt at all levels of education. Um, So I really enjoyed, honestly, the three tips that you put in this article. I thought they were really great. Um, Where did you come up with these tips, and were they more organic, or did you kind of get them from somewhere else? Yeah, um, thank you. (laughs) Uh, They were mostly organic. Um, I was diagnosed with a handful of mental illnesses when I was very young, like 11 years old, and so I've been in therapy and recovery for over 15 years now, and some of the tips, especially the one about having a game plan when you enter higher education, comes from like years of experience of doing it both the right and the wrong way mm-hmm. at certain times in terms of my recovery. For me, the key to success, both in every aspect of your life and in my recovery from mental illness is just making mental health a priority. So I haven't always done that um, <laughs> and I've suffered from it. So I wanted students to know it's okay to prioritize well-being and health, whether that be general wellness, a mental illness, physical health, etc. Um, we're not weak if we advocate for ourselves and do what we need to do to stay healthy. You wrote a a lot about the exhaustion that comes from um, carrying this burden of having a mental illness. There's an analogy of, um, it's pretty famous, of someone with a chronic physical condition where they have so many spoons that they give out every day and say, I have nine spoons, what am I going to prioritize? Um, do you think that this could be transitioned as well to um, kind of mental illness in general? There's so often that separation between people are like, well, this is a physical condition, but this is my brain health, but it is all the body. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful analogy. Um, I think it gives a physical sense to kind of the limitations that you have if you struggle with a mental illness. Um I think with mental illness, the kind of acceptance of the limitations is important and things are going to look different for everyone. So, for example, part of my plan for staying healthy, for example, is going to bed at like 10 to 11 every night. Um, I know I need to do this uh, regardless of the work that I get done for the day. So in the sense that is kind of a quote unquote limited resource, uh, so to speak, but I think it's about dropping the comparison. So in higher education especially, it's difficult not to compare your journey to someone else's and radical acceptance is trusting that you're making the best decisions for you and welcoming your limitations rather than approaching them with fear or seeing them as weaknesses. So just as that you know analogy goes, having so many spoons throughout the day 
so forth, you have to like recognize that you only have a certain amount of energy throughout the day and that's okay. Yeah, I think that's a really great point. And um, <clears throat> kind of that same note, you talk in your article about prioritizing your own health. And can you kind of tell some ways that, um, and maybe some new ways that you have advocated for yourself or participated in self-care? We like, appreciate that you have like kind of shared with us that you've had your own mental health struggles. And I think it's great to have you kind of share what you've done. Yeah, so one of the ways I talk about prioritizing help is just making it known that you might need help sometimes. So for me, this has been crucial to maintaining my success both in medical school and in my recovery. Um, an example of this is I recently had a slip up and I needed to get a higher level of care for a bit. And because I had been upfront about my chronic mental health issues with my program beforehand, it was easier for them to work with me, make the adjustments I needed, so that I didn't completely like mess up my schedule and that I can still graduate on time. Um, other ways I prioritize my health in my daily life is just sticking to what I know is best for me and what will keep me on the path to reaching my goals. So again, remembering that this is different for everyone. So I need sleep. Um, I need time to exercise, take baths, watch TikTok, visit my boyfriend, <laughs> hang out with friends. So I will say there have been times when I was not prioritizing these things. And I know these things are necessities for me to stay in recovery. So at that point, at that point where they weren't as much of a priority, um, my mental illness battles kind of heightened because I was putting them on the back burner. Um, but it's all a balancing act. You know, some people don't have to balance with a chronic chronic illness, and that's fine, but everybody has their own priorities and their own things that they value. Um, and yeah, it sucks to be balancing school with out, with not something that's more uplifting, you know, than a mental illness, but that's okay. I don't feel sorry for myself because it's radical acceptance, and that's what it is, and it's what I have to do, and that's okay. That's really, really good points. Um, I think um, that giving um, your yourself credit is a really good point and honestly something we can all do a little more of I actually re recently listened to an, another podcast um, on um, kind of the same topic that made me think of think of the topic you're going to speak on today um, there's an interview with a psychologist named Kristen Neff who um, spoke on how people are very often too critical of themselves and we're actually more important if we can kind of give ourselves some grace and if we're more compassionate towards ourselves it's actually very you know healthy for us and often, like especially in an American society, we have this misconception that being hard on, on ourselves is the only way to self-improvement. But like, if I mess up, I need to be the one to punish myself so that mm -hmm. I get better. And that's just not true. And people perform way better when they don't do that. Can you kind of contrast the time in your life when maybe you weren't so forgiving to yourself um, to a time now when maybe you, you've you know grown and find that you are a little more forgiving? Yeah, I think that this is a fabulous question, um, kind of relates to what I was just talking about. Um, but in regards to self-compassion, I think we could have an entire podcast episode on that topic alone. Um, I think we are so mean to ourselves as humans. We really are, um, especially the type A, highly ambitious, driven individuals that seek higher education. Um, there always seems to be something more we could be doing, more studying, more research, more time spent with family and friends, more volunteering, etc., etc. But we live in a society that values productivity, and honestly, this leaves us unsatisfied because even after we reach our goals, there's always more to be done. So um, 
I lived in this mindset, I think, for years, and all it did was make me unhappy. Um, regardless of how many achievements I had or how many successes, I was never satisfied because I was striving to do more, making excuses as to why my accomplishment wasn't that big of a deal. So, I mean, this is really silly, but sometimes I would, you know, get a good grade on an exam and I would think, oh, I just got lucky or I cheated somehow. And it's just giving myself the compassion and kindness and recognizing, you know, how incredible I am, being confident is something I've worked very hard on over the years. And I would argue that the most important or one of the most important relationships you have in your life is with yourself. So being happy with who you are in the moment, of course, there's things we can all improve on and there's always new goals we can chase, but remembering to look back and give attention to the work we've already done is a huge part of cultivating the strong, confident, growth-minded, compassionate, and perfect self that will continue to move the mountain. So, I mean, no one has ever gotten anywhere by self-deprecation and thinking they weren't good enough. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's just, I don't know why we're mean to ourselves and why being that being mean to ourselves is so mainstream. I think we all deserve to take a step back and look at how far we've come and, and get confidence from you know, some of the hardships that we've overcome and the hard work we the hard work we've put in to get to the point where we're at. I really loved at the end of your article all the resources that you included just for the readers. We discussed a lot of these resources in our last interview um, with some D4s, some fourth year dental students when we talked about suicide prevention. Um, would you mind going into a little bit more about these resources, especially the National Grad Crisis Line? That one was really new to me. Yeah, so I think a lot of us are aware of like the National Suicide Hotline and there's different hotlines for like different things that people could struggle with, which I think is amazing. Um, but the National Grad Crisis Line is actually one that I found while I was writing this article because I was just doing some research as to, you know, what's out there um, for students especially. And I think it's an incredible resource because what's different about the line, um, or from what I understand is different about the line, is that the counselors who volunteer have completed training to understand and empathize with the unique challenges that students face. So I think this is awesome, um, especially since a large part of what can help when you're vul vulnerable and you ask for support is when someone can meet you halfway and kind of understands where you're coming from. I think that's a great new resource, and I'm glad I'm learning about this. And um, one thing we kind of talked about in class the other day in physical therapy school is um, putting numbers like these just like in your phone mm -hmm. and I think that's um, a really important point because people get you know in situations where they either need to help someone else or help themselves and in those times of crisis it's it's hard to access you know numbers like these so um, I love that these are listed in your article and I hope people like take the time to just put them in their phone just because when you need it you need it and it's nice to have it there so thanks for sharing those resources um, a stat that you mentioned that surprised me is that graduate students are over six times as likely to experience mental health issues. Have you seen this represented in your classmates in medical school? And do you feel like this narrative is still there, not there? And even in medical school students who you would expect to be, you know, kind of cognizant of things like this, especially as they're learning about them? Yeah, so I think there's really like two parts to that question. I think first is that there's an overwhelming amount of graduate students that struggle with mental health issues who might have not had a history of mental health concerns or mental illness before beginning their program. So my theory is that like stress, being overworked, 
perfectionism, imposter syndrome. Those are some of the key drivers as to why graduate students struggle with mental health. And I've seen it in my classmates, um, especially this year as we've been in the hospital almost 24-7 with our core rotations. So even some of my friends who would have considered themselves, you know, mentally healthy before have kind of had some issues. And I think that, you know, the culture of medicine while training can kind of strip you of, of your humanity. And so, you know, you're working countless hours in the hospital while studying for exams, trying to think about getting ready for board exams, considering what you want to do in the future. And it's so stressful because of the schedule, medicine sort of, sort of becomes all-consuming. And as humans, you know, especially those of us who are type A, when we put our eggs in one basket or we value one thing only, it's easy to attach our worth to it. And so I think, you know, when we don't meet expectations, it becomes a sort of, you know, wow, do I really deserve to be here? Are my classmates struggling as much as I am? You know, what happens if I fail? What if I disappoint everyone who's counting on me? And so, you know, thoughts like that can arise. And I think it just becomes hard for people to get through. And it's it's nice to know that you're not the only one that is struggling with those things. Um, but the second part of that is kind of where you can imagine in such an environment where it could seem near impossible for someone who already has a severe mental illness to stay healthy. So I had actually been recommended before by a therapist to really consider things before you know pursuing medicine. And I don't take offense to that. I understand she was just being realistic about the expectations and and what I need to stay in recovery. And and I will say it has been very hard, but we're starting to have things in place for students to take mental health days, not work as many long hours. It's just becoming um, more well known, I think, um, the awareness of mental health issues. But I think the entire culture of medicine kind of needs to shift to one where you never have to ask yourself if you'll be able to make it with the mental illness. So, um, you know, people like me are needed here. Um, my story and my voice and insight and passion are needed. Um, and I'm glad I chose this career, but I do understand like the hesitance now from my therapist having been through it. But I'm hopeful as we continue on into the future um, that the life of the physician will be valued as much as the life of the patient. I don't have a lot to say after that. You know, that's a great, great point just to kind of reverberate. Um, because grad school, medical school, dental school, it is all hard. You've been mm -hmm. the highest achiever in your high school. You're the highest achiever in your undergrad classes. And now you come and you have to deal with being one of the best mm -hmm. in a class of the best. So how do you deal when you've been 100% your entire life and now you're the bottom 25%? Not that that's everyone, but it, it's, it's hard to deal with. I think... It's similar to, you know, a lot of people struggle, um, you know, as they transition from high school to college, whether they were thought of themselves as this big athlete mm. in high school. Well, you didn't make it to college, so now you've got to figure out how to deal with yourself there. Or you did make it to play in college, and now you have to figure out who you are now. You have to figure out your mental health in this new situation where you're not as good anymore. Mm -hmm. People are telling you you're not good. No one really cares about your mental health. They just want to see you perform. No one cares about the physician's mental health. They just mm -hmm. want to see the patient get better. Yeah. So I think as we see this balance as, you know, athletics is focusing on, well, our mental health, Simone Biles pulls out of the Olympics to focus on her physical health and her mental health. 
maybe that will start to shift in the towards the physician as well. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a fabulous point, and you worded that so well, um, especially the analogy with the athletes. I think, you know, overall what it comes down to is, you know, you can't put your value as a person into just one thing, right? Because things change all the time, you know, new chapters in our lives arise, right? You end that career as an athlete, or, you know, maybe something doesn't go as great with, you know, your higher education program, or you graduate. And so you have to kind of cultivate those other parts of yourself that bring value to life and understand that just by existing, you have worth, right? And so that's really important for people to remember, especially, you know, as we're in these environments where we are kind of thinking about only one thing solely for a while, right? So I think it's, that's a really important point that you made. I also really like the point that you made previously on how, like, it's important to have people like you in, you know, the healthcare system who, you know, have experienced, um, you know, mental health problems and people of all sorts of different um, problems who can relate to their patients on those specific issues. And the system of medicine shouldn't be like selecting out people who have, you know, commonalities between themselves and their patients. Um, so I think it's really important that you can kind of take that and translate to your practice. Sure. I have some stats I'd like to share real quick and then kind of talk about them. Um, so I pulled these stats from the National Alliance on Mental Health Illness, also known as NAMI, which I think a lot of people might recognize. Um, more than 45% of young adults who stopped attending college because of mental health um, related reasons did not request accommodations, and 50% of them did not access mental health services and support either. And concern of stigma is the number one reason students do not seek help. It's really amazing to me after talking about how common this is in graduate students um, that only 50% of those students are utilizing what is usually a free mental resource um, from the university. Um, what would you tell students who read this article and read your article and have mental health issues on the importance of getting help and utilizing these resources? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. I think first is to just take a step back and understand that schooling is always going to be there. So prioritizing your mental health, asking for extra help when you need. It's an investment that's only going to pay off in the long run. So schools, jobs, people, places, all of that will come and go. And I think your relationship with yourself and with life is here to stay. And investing in that is a sign of strength. It's a sign of dedication and, and hard work rather than weakness. And I think, you know, on the other side of that, too, is kind of what it goes back to, like, giving ourselves some compassion. So for the longest time, I viewed my mental illness almost as, like, am I using it as a crutch or an excuse was one thing. And two was, like, why am I still struggling after so many years of working hard with this? And when I kind of reframed that and said, no, you know what, look at all that you've been able to do despite this this kind of hardship that you were given and look how you're turning it into, you know, something that's going to help a lot of people and, and being vocal about it and bringing people together so that they don't, so that they know they're not alone. So I think when you reframe some of those things, and again, it goes back to just not thinking negatively about ourselves and attaching negative connotations to everything, then you kind of see that like, you know, it's not as scary to ask for help. It's not as scary to you know, be open about these things because it's a strength. Like, you know, you don't have to suffer in silence. And this is something that 
takes a lot of energy to get through every day. And, you know, the fact that you're in higher education and able to do that is honestly amazing. Um, and so I think that it's something that people need to feel more empowered to do is to talk about it and to get help when they need it. That's a really good message. And um, we really appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your story. And it's a very inspirational story, honestly. And I'm very thankful that you got to share that with all of our listeners. And I'm sure they're thankful too. Do you have like one take home point that you'd like for our listeners, especially of the, you know, the undergraduate and graduate population? Yeah, I would say just as far as mental health goes, I would say like just prioritize it and just think about in your life how prioritizing your mental health could change things for you. Um, I think that it should never be something that kind of detracts from your life or that, you know, you're not, you're scared, I guess, to consider pursuing careers that are more demanding. Um, I think people need to be talking about these things. And if you're somebody who has struggled, your voice could do a lot of work. Um, for people and a lot of good in the world. And so I think overall, I would just say, yeah, I, w I, would, I would encourage just reflecting on, you know, your own mental health and how that plays a role in your life. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just to end, we have one more quick question. Who would win the fight, 250 angry chickens or a polar bear? 250 angry chickens all the way. Balance. <laughs> balance is restored in the universe it's, it's really been 50 50 with our guests and we were just talking about how it was like all chicken and then it was like all polar bear and now we're back to chicken do not underestimate chickens i i see it it's it's a tough call it's the numbers polar bears would still win though. i mean 250 is just so many like you just like pack this room full of chickens <laughs> well on that note thank you for joining us um Please check out the article. There are great resources at the bottom of it. Um, mental health is not something to take lightly. Use your resources. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.